0: And we should be live, so I'm just checking to make sure that what i there's a little bit of delay, so just making sure I'm watching the other screen. Um, so Mike McCabe was gonna join us tonight, um, but he uh, couldn't make it, and so it's just gonna be Seth and I. Um, let's see.
1: But no exciting. Points.
0: Yeah. <laughs> next week. Next week we'll have uh, Jerry on the verbal thumbs up from him. So should be good. And I'm watching the the, the stream, so it looks like it's it's going. Um, if there are any questions, go ahead and pop those into the live chat. We didn't actually get uh, Q and A topics or suggestions or anything like that so we're kind of just going to wing it tonight maybe won't be a super long episode uh is there anything i'm missing seth
1: no i don't think so right um i mean whoever joins joins it's great we're we're happy to do this this is more us getting a cadence and actually figuring out how we're going to interact with the you know the community in general so welcome and let us know if you've got any questions.
0: Yeah, we're playing around with the times a bit. And the day I think we're pretty much set on, which is uh, every week at Tuesday on a Tuesday. So uh, that those the days are pretty much set, but the uh, times may uh, we find to be. And also like we have you've you know, we got stuff going on, too. So uh, might have to adjust. Uh, all right. So Mike's not going to make it. Um some of the topics well we can jump into our our uh, first topic f- for the night which i thought was insane the whole hawaii missile alert uh scenario um
1: thoughts are on that seth uh besides the fact that we, we're bad at designing uis to protect ourselves from crappy situations I mean, the whole thing's yeah. pretty crazy, right? I, I, you know, you saw it all over Twitter. People were posting, "Oh my gosh, I just got this text alert that missiles are inbound in, into Hawaii." Right? That that was the whole, you know, the emergency notification system was working, and guess what? Prepare. And then came out that somebody was supposed to hit the test button and hit the real button instead. Um from a drop down list? Is this right, Ken? And that's the reason I went out. I
0: actually uh retweeted the picture of the site and uh, from a news source, and you know, what do I know if it's legit? But it was basically hyperlinks, it's all it was. It was just a uh, uh like a like a 1996, <laughs> 1997 website. It's terrible looking. And that's all it is. There's a, there's like this little spacing between the link for test and the link for the real thing. And uh, I just, I can't, yeah. I don't know why, like, why, why would that be designed like that? And I don't know if you had read up on it, but this is the same, this is the same place where they had found passwords to these systems on like sticky notes (laughs) near the monitor. Because I'm guessing it's shared, like these are shared resources or sh- a shared site or something like that, right? So yeah, So yeah, typical stuff that we see, credentials on sticky notes. And well, uh,
1: yeah, I the credentials on the sticky note was actually a news story after the fact, right? Where they panned over the guy's computer or the, the shared computer and it was like down at the bottom and no one had even mentioned anything about it, right?
0: bad so, it just goes yeah. from bad to worse I mean I can't imagine getting that can't yeah I definitely can't imagine um being on the other side of that Um you know living in Hawaii uh, and getting that it's just I mean there was something else there like gosh there was something else that I'm forgetting about that there was like way oh yeah some of the uh alerts didn't even make it to like people's phone phones. So delivery wasn't a hundred percent successful, which was another thing kind of.
1: So it, it it went out, but then went late or it didn't, it didn't arrive. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. It didn't arrive to a percentage of people on the Island.
1: That's an. I mean, that would be an interesting so. test in and of itself. Right. I mean, they've always used to run those emergency alert drills on TV. Right. But <clears throat> Now that we're so dependent on cell phones, nobody's watching TV like they did back in the day.
0: I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that
1: that image that you posted on your Twitter account is pretty interesting, actually, to see. You know, there's a test message, and then there's stuff underneath it. You're not quite sure. I, I can see, you know, hey, you're supposed to send this test message out and just misreading it and clicking underneath it because it's, yeah, it's right there and available. There's nothing on it that says, hey, this is really... You shouldn't be sending this out unless it's a real emergency, right?
0: I could totally see myself accidentally clicking that link. Um, yeah, I just yeah. A, but I mean honestly, this person's kind of I don't know. They're the the person that um, set off the alert kind of like QA at this point, right? They they found a few things, you know. Obviously, the UI is horrible password management's not great and hey it doesn't reach all the people on the island so kind of a if you flip it kind of a good qa test in a
1: way yeah uh, besides the fact that you know it's been blasted all over media at this point right It's not the way that you want to go about your first day at a job i'm oh, sure Oh gosh no you know, yeah. but this—I I mean, this comes down to it, right? We, we're constantly clicking on links. We're constantly clicking on stuff that we probably shouldn't be. Um, I mean, even in as a security professional, you know, once in a while, I'm like in the midst of my job and I get one of those fish me emails, and I'm not paying attention, right? Um, like one of the the phishing tests, uh, and it's it's easy to actually do that, right? We make it incredibly easy for someone to get to enter into an insecure state. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sure point. you've never clicked on a link, right, Ken?
0: I, I probably I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but probably at some point. I mean, like, uh, yeah, we're not immune to it. You know, nobody's immune to clicking on links that you shouldn't. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, so there's another good. So uh, just real quick, I, I actually had a. I had an app and this was it was a similar deal. It was like 2000. I think 2009, 2010. And uh, basically the app was designed such that like the. Delete action uh, was just through a a hyperlink. So it was basically if you hit this endpoint, you deleted. I believe it was users. So you just deleted (laughs) user records. And this was like a site for user records. And uh, basically I ran burp suite spider and um, you know, I was testing the site and spider just kept seeing these links and kept going and kept going. And so, you know, I get kind of a panicked message like later that day, we'll say. And uh, so we, we go into, to, to kind of like talk about this, to figure out what happened. And, uh, I mean, you could say, you could definitely say, um, yeah, I mean, you definitely say that, you know, I should have excluded that from scope. Um, perfectly fair, you know, from spidering, but why would you design the? A, a, why would you design a site like that? And can you imagine if this site was tested
1: You know what I mean, How badly yeah. that would have gone. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and it happens all the time, right? Right. Uh, you know, I, I've got a couple other examples of the same sort of things, right? You know, the fact that, hey, you know, I shouldn't be able to, you know, bring your production database to a crawl because I am looking at your staging instance, right? That's just not, that's not something that should ever happen. Um, but we all know that, you know, people make short, or, or they, you know, they shortcut things, right? Hey, we're just gonna put the staging database on the same server as the production database because it's just staging, right? No, no one's ever gonna affect, you know, it's not gonna matter because no one ever really hits that besides the UI guys when they're testing X, Y, and Z. But, you know, and then no one ever thinks about it again until one of us comes in to do a test and all of a sudden it goes through the roof because there's a problem with SQL injection. And we're dumping the whole database, and all of a sudden we can see your production database as well. It's just this cascading effect that happens when we take shortcuts. And I mean, it happens in other industries too, obviously, right? So it starts out as, hey, we're just listing all these links on a single page, and and then it becomes too many links, so someone gets confused, and then they send out an alert when they shouldn't have
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel though that there's, there's a reason that, you know, there's regulations in place, right. I mean, in other industries to avoid this stuff, I mean, errors happen, but, uh, and obviously they've, they've, I think they said they went to like a two person system, something along those lines to fix this. Um, I mean, for those that are wondering, you know, well, like, what is the fix? Uh, so in the case of where, what I was talking about where I was spidering, you know, and it would, and for, if you're not familiar, spider means, uh, the tool you're using parses, the HTML source code, you get back, finds links to other places on the site and then requests those links. And then if it parses to look for more links and it just continually does that, uh, to basically get a good map of the site, you need a good map of the site to attack it. Uh, so, in you know, in this case, uh, like in this, the case of the site that has links that you could just automatically delete a user from the from the database. For one, it shouldn't be like a GET request with a with a link that you click on. Two, access control, right? Because I was, was I was not using administrative user, so some separation of privileges, um, and then just basically some sort of you know form you go to it. Um, yeah, click delete, type in some confirmation word, and there you go. It's it's off into a delete or post request, and it's not something that's just hyperlinked. Yep. And in the case of this site, uh the emergency alert site, uh, it's a similar it's a similar it's a similar similar solution, is basically what I'm saying. You know, there's there and by the way, Evan Johnson uh is watching this and um Twitter. a uh, a pretty funny um, GIF or he retweeted a pretty funny GIF, but um, basically everything that you see around this points to like really bad UI UX, but also just again um, beyond confirming like I question beyond, beyond just like setting it up. So it's not just a hyperlink and it's better UI and you confirm and all that stuff like the access control. Obviously if they're moving to a two person system, you know, is it, should that person have had those perm- permissions? I don't know, but certainly a good question, right? I mean, access control comes into play here. I think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That I, I was just looking at that image from Evan. Yeah. It, it really does go back to you know just like the user interface and the user design, and making sure that people can uh, are are doing what they intend to do right and keeping people from making mistakes that are un- unintended um, well you know yeah sorry yeah, folks pretty... in hawaii what's that <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i'm sure it wasn't a a, a very nice uh text message to get even yeah. though the yeah. middle of the day right yeah i mean
0: i just can't imagine the person who like clicked on that with their you know that's got to be terrible for them too so i mean i'm obviously they're the the reason that this okay i I wouldn't i don't want to even go that far because i think we all agree that the website's just terrible and this process was terrible and a lot of terribleness so i'm not laying it at that person's feet also not absolving them completely what i am saying is uh regardless of what you feel, it's got to suck to be that person.
1: (laughs) It it really does. (laughs) I think that's going to come up in his performance review, you know, (laughs) and another (laughs) month. (laughs) Well, an alert to all of Hawaii that we were being attacked. So we're going to, we're not going to give you a raise this year. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Brought in donuts though. So team player.
1: Yeah. That makes yeah. up for it. That that definitely makes up for it. Depends
0: on the donut, right? I mean, yeah. there's, it depends. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't really have any other thoughts on that other than, you know, well so I wanted to folks in Hawaii. Back.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry for the guys in Hawaii. I, I wanted to actually go back to something we talked about last week Ken. I, you know, I know we've got something else on the agenda in a little bit, but, um, You know, we've been talking, I mean, Meltdown and Spectre, right? Those two attacks or those two vulnerabilities are still in the news. um, And everybody's still trying to address those, right? Um, The interesting thing that keeps popping up, like I've been playing with proof of concepts. Have you looked at any of those and how that actually works and, you know, how efficient it is? Yeah, I looked at it. uh, I looked at
0: one Pull up the link. There's a GitHub repo for it. I don't know if that's what you'd used.
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple of them that I've seen. There's the Ten Cent page that's the um, research group that's out of China. It actually has the, the URL that you can go to and click on a you know a JavaScript link and it'll check to see whether or not you're vulnerable to Spectre, right? Um take that with a grain of salt because, you know, it is a Chinese website and they may be sniffing other stuff out of there, right? So so if you're going to visit that site, just make sure that you're doing it in a browser that's not running anything else or on a computer where you don't, you're not logged into online banking. You know, just the normal precautions. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> maybe just run it in a VM.
1: Yeah, there you go. Run it in a VM if you're actually going to test it out. Uh, but it's been a, like a pretty interesting exercise. Um, I, I don't think in the security space that we've had new classes of vulnerability pop, vulnerabilities pop up that often, right? And this is what the, the especially the Spectre side of things, that's what it feels like. And then even with Meltdown, right, the protections that they've put in place, the patch for Meltdown doesn't really fix the problem, right? There's still going to be um, kernel memory that's mapped on into user process space for different reasons. And there's always going to be that, it's always going to be that case. So you know that there's researchers that are out there that are going to be, you know, picking at that until they can figure out a way to to make it through it. And the same thing goes for Spectre, right? There's no, and until we kind of redesign the chips and don't allow that, or we redesign the operating system and how the kernel memory functions versus user process memory, like there's nothing that we can, really do outside of watch for it. And I, like, I, I hate to say hope and pray, right? Patch and pray, right? It's not, that's not a valid strategy when it comes down to it. So you got to start thinking about other other ways to isolate yourself and to isolate those processes. Um, it just feels like there's a whole nother like layer of control that we've got to put around this that we don't have right now. I mean, you know, what, what is your thinking on that Ben, right? I mean, outside of, Hey, we're going to patch.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. I mean, I definitely don't think it's going to end anytime soon. Like we're going to patch and be fine. And also, like I said last week, outside of the security concerns, there's the, like it causing huge slowdowns and it being more of like a, okay, you kind of have to decide about, you have to decide on your risk profile, yeah, when you go to tackle it because uh, you know as in terms of a trade-off from a business perspective like functionality perspective uh, and cost per- perspective as well
1: yeah um, yeah i mean we're, we're losing the sufficiency that we had in those chips or in the in the speed of the computers at the yeah at the cost of security that's really what it boils down to. And and this is that fine line that we always walk in application security or security in general is you can't put put so much security in place that a business can't function or someone can't do what they want to be able to do because the second that you do, that computer, that system becomes unusable and people will migrate away. Um, Yeah,
0: it's a battle we... I would say it's it's not really... I wouldn't say it's a battle. I'd say it's a, right? It's a, it's a long-term. And, and and also you have to factor in culture quite a bit when you're working inside of a company. Um, oh, for as sure. it pertains to like what you are accepting of and what you're not. And, you know, my, my take has always been the same. You give your advice and you're, that's what you're paid to do. Give your advice, help to fix things. But if the business decides to go a different way, I mean, it's not your call. It's not your call. Yeah. So, um, that, that's the
1: best you- yeah, that's one of those things that you don't want right now is, you know, I'm glad that it's not my call, especially when it has to do with someone's financial information or healthcare data, you know, it's like, where do you, where do you draw that line as a fine line? And I'm sure there's conversations that's going on about it. Um, It's not, you know, like, I don't want to get too doomsday about it because it's not the end of the world, right? We're going to figure it out. Um, Or the community is going to figure it out. Me personally and you, we're probably not going to be. Definitely not me. Oh yeah. Um, But it, it, it is definitely interesting to watch, to actually see how the community responds, both on the attack side Hey, there's this new class of vulnerabilities, uh, you know, those guys that are doing that low level uh, attack research, or I'm, I'm sure they're having a field day right now. Um, but then on the other side, like the business side of things, you know, how do we account for this? How do, how do we take this risk into play now? And what is acceptable risk? I, I mean, I feel like we always get back to that from a, you know, what's the risk calculation perspective? especially uh, businesses but you know there's no good answer you know we we all live in the gray area right Uh, especially in the security space i'm I'm not saying we go out and attack things but we live in a gray area because there's not a good like a solid black and white answer right i mean there is right hey disconnect your computer from online and never you know never do anything online great you're going to be secure but you're not going to be able to message your friends. You're not going to be ch- able to check your online banking. And even though you're disconnected, doesn't mean your information can't be accessed because your bank is online and other people are Right. So. <laughs> Rob,
0: Rob Fuller, uh, Mubix, for those that um, don't know his name's Rob. I mean, I'm sure you know his name's Rob Fuller. Uh, but if not, R- Rob says his risk calculation is five. Five. <laughs> God. see this proves why why those hyperlinks are dangerous. i am getting older, so this is totally five <laughs> mine's forty two so. oh,
1: sweet yeah well, at least we've got you know experts weighing in as to what the risk is <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, I did post a link, and
1: you know I'll try to remember
0: so last week I posted uh i mean you and i got together we figured out uh we talked about what we needed to post in the the youtube video link or uh description rather so you know what i'm saying is i'm going to try to remember to put these we will try to remember to put these links in the video like this uh, meltdown github repo uh but if we forget Please feel free to email us at absoluteappsec at gmail.com. You can also send questions or suggestions or anything you want to hear about to that email. But, um, how's going with you
1: that? Can tell, you can tell Ken you want him to, you know, dress up, put on his, pink TV, whatever. Okay. Uh,
0: I got a, yeah, I'll wear a, wear a Hello Kitty cropped top. Yeah, there you go. Why not? We'll spice things up for this. Um, so yeah, I, and, back to this this whole like meltdown specifically uh there this repo has uh videos on using it um this tool uh proof of concept and like code to um and it just basically says that it simplifies the exploitation of the bug um
1: yeah it's the interesting thing that i found when i was running the proof of concepts right um especially for uh meltdown right it takes a little bit of time to actually dump that much kernel memory because of the way that they're doing it right because it's one byte at a time yes it's a cpu so it goes pretty fast um but you know it it does take a a fair bit of time especially if you're trying to dump all eight gig from a machine who knows what you're actually going to find it's easier if you can figure out what where in memory you're trying to pull something from first obviously Um, yeah
0: yeah the crazy things with these the crazy thing though that we've seen every time some new attack comes out is it doesn't take long for it to get more far more efficient um thinking back even as far as the padding oracle attacks i remember that being yep kind of annoying to figure out how to exploit and then you know you always get a warning like oh the site might be vulnerable um there Was some tooling I had some scripts I'd written around that, and uh, yeah, anyways, uh, then like a nice GUI came out, <laughs> and I could just pop in a URL and go to town. Well,
1: yeah, if we go back even further, right, you, you talk about the old DES days, digital encryption standard days, um, and you know, the scientific community figured out, oh, guess what, DES is vulnerable, um, and it was the, I think, I believe it was the NSA. I'll have to check my facts on this, but I believe it was the NSA that came out after, after the community at large had figured out that there was problems with DES and it was fairly easy to crack, right? Realistic to actually crack DES. And the NSA actually came to one of the conferences and said, yeah, we know about it. And actually, if you do X, Y, and Z, it's you know, 20, 20% more efficient or something along those lines.
0: That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, so, I I mean, you knew that they had been holding it for a while, that they they knew about these weaknesses, because they had done more research in it than the community had. I don't think we're at that same level anymore, right? Definitely, there's a lot more eyes on encryption standards and vulnerabilities in the private space than there was, you know, back in the 60s, so 70s, whatever.
0: Yeah, dating yourself. No, I'm kidding.
1: Yeah, I'm not not quite that old. I'm just... Yeah, the gray is you know kind of a misnomer there
0: you're what 65 75
1: yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> something like right. that. depends on the day
0: oh uh, yeah how you feeling how old you actually are yeah <laughs> you there so which, which, um, kind
1: of, which i kind of naturally leads us into our next topic
0: it kind of does uh you know you had brought this up, and uh so so we were gonna talk about imposter syndrome a little bit, which um I didn't even know what that was i so I'd heard the term, and I'd heard that, and if you hear my son in the background, he's still awake, go to bed um, where was I so yeah, I heard the term, but uh, I actually didn't know what it was until like a few months ago, uh, Mike, who was supposed to be on this podcast. Thanks very much, Mike for nothing. Not going to let you live it down. Uh, Mike had mentioned it, uh, sent it over my way, explained it. Um, some link that explained it. And, uh, I mean, do you want to go ahead and give people the definition? Sure. I mean,
1: I, I mean, basically imposter syndrome is the feeling that, um, your your level of effort and your knowledge in a specific field is not as great as everybody else that you are working with on a daily basis, right? So you're seeing all these other people that are presenting about cool topics that are coming up with attacks like Spectre and Meltdown that are able to code their way around X, Y, and Z or whatever framework. And you start to feel like the work that you do you're really an imposter. You're just faking it and you have nowhere near the talent or nowhere near the expertise as someone else in your field with, an ex- with a similar amount of experience. Right? Does that make sense?
0: Totally. I am actually linking to the technical cr- or the uh, clinical term for it. I don't, I don't know how you'd say that. Uh, There's a Dunning-Kruger effect. And, um, basically if I had to give my take, you're smart enough to know that you don't know things and feel a little insecure because of it. Um, which I, you know, <laughs> I definitely think, uh, I mean, I know I've had that, I have that I have that every day, like every day and what ends up happening, I don't know, Like if, I mean, I'm sure you're, you brought it up. So I'm sure you're the, you're going to talk about yours, your experience with that. But for me, what I do is I end up uh, working. Typically I work way, I'm getting better at it, but I'd work way too hard to uh, like sort of make up for it. Like if I can get a lot more work done, then uh, maybe, maybe people won't, uh, you know, maybe people will, will think I'm uh, better at my job or, you know, more proficient. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I get older, that's it's able to manage. It doesn't mean the feeling goes away, but uh, yeah, I guess it's, I guess that's what it is. Just um, knowing that you don't know things and compensating or feeling uh, insecure about it. And maybe you're not, you don't belong uh, amongst the professionals that you work with.
1: Yeah. And I- it's always a difficult road, right? Um, I mean, everybody comes into the industry with their own set of expertise and with their own personalities. Uh, and, and I, like, I really ran into it kind of that in my first position at iOmega. Like, I remember, you know, going in and having very strong personalities on that team. And I may, I may seem like I'm willing to talk about things now, but at the time, I had like a serious case of stage fright, you know. I'd been a programmer for a number of years. I'd learned all these things and they were looking to me for expertise, but I'd go into meetings like, and I wouldn't like for two hours and I wouldn't say a thing, right. Even though we were supposed to be leading the meeting, but I had personalities on either side of me that were just like willing to jump in and willing to give their opinion. And I, I was like, Hey, I've only been here for, you know, two weeks. And you know, I'm coming out of like, kind more of like an internship program and a programming background. And like, you want me to talk about these things and give my opinion. I don't have any experience with it yet. It's very difficult to actually speak up and to speak your mind in that situation. Um, And, you know, like, if anything, like we talk about InfoSec rock stars and like the information security community, right? These people that go to conferences and they speak and they come up with some cool vulnerability and then they speak about it for years and their names are just known and like most of those guys are super down to earth right but it's very difficult and it's very intimidating to go up to someone like that and actually say hey these are my ideas uh, and you know kind of put yourself out there it's a scary thing right um And, you know, I, I think the article that you've linked probably goes into a little bit of, you know, how everybody does feel that way. Everybody's, you know, somewhat of an introvert, um, especially when it comes to things that they care about, but it's still, it's still a very active part of most people's lives, even those infosec rock stars. And I think they'd be the first ones to tell you that.
0: Actually, I've had conversations with folks that are like more junior and speak in terms of speaking, um, like no speaking experience and it's funny because like every time they're super worried that what they have to talk about is just it's uh not cool enough or you know it's not lead enough or whatever the case is and it's almost like are you kidding me like look at what you're look at what you want to talk about i mean it's way cooler than i mean have you been (laughs) Have you been to some of these conferences lately? I mean, there's definitely. Let's not mistake technical or uh, speaking skills; those are there's those are those are to- totally exclusive of one another. Uh, I mean, pe- some people are lucky enough to have to have both, or not lucky enough. I shouldn't even say lucky. I should say worked hard enough at doing both because super na- naturally talented at public speaking have to work for it we have to keep doing it and doing it wrong and um that's the public speaking part of it is just you're going to do it enough you're going to practice you're going to i mean i I definitely had to do a speaking coach before before big presentation um which this um that i just said that's a no-no but uh obviously i followed the advice really really well but um yeah it's the technical part now set aside the, the speaker part and the technical part technical part is almost always up to snuff in the in, in e- with each person i talk to because frankly a lot of these technical talks these days uh eh, you know they're okay there's definitely I'm, I'm not saying like there aren't good technical talks but i mean i can honestly say that there's probably about 70 percent of talks lately that i've I'm, I'm totally okay to not go with and just like stream later if it's that important or something like that. So, um, totally went off on a tangent there.
1: No. What were we talking about? Imposter syndrome. <laughs> right. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. So mm. looks like we have some people in the chat. Cool. Well, you're feel, feel free to ask questions, but, um, I mean, do you have anything yeah, else?
1: Oh, I was I was just gonna gonna say like when it when it comes to the talk and speaking, right? I, like what you talk about how how much time you have to put into it, right? And and that's what you know. I initially kind of discounted when I started going to conferences. Was uh, you know I, I was so focused on the technical content that I was always like, oh well, I could do that. Well, I could do that, and you know, mo- you're right. Like, and most people that are coming into that arena, you know, even at like Black Hat and DEF CON, they can probably do that same sort of research. Um, but it does take, uh, it takes some moxie and it takes some confidence to put yourself out there. Right? Um, and to realize that, guess what? Those guys that you consider to be InfoSec rock stars, at one point that, you know, they were just like you and they were they were worried about it. And there's, there's resources that are out there, right? A lot of the big conferences will actually give you a speaking coach or assign you someone who has spoken before. Um, or there's even, like, little meetups that you can go to, like there's Toastmasters and things like that, where you can go and learn how to speak to a crowd and actually give, you know, a five or a 10-minute talk just on whatever topic so that you can learn to be comfortable in front of people, it's not a it, it's not a natural thing in most cases. Yes, there are people that it comes naturally to, but most of us it, it does not, right? In our industry, it really doesn't.
0: Yeah, and actually, and Rob posted something, and I was gonna, I was actually gonna recommend this. So uh, he had posted a you know Nova Hackers, uh, Northern Virginia Hackers, uh, some like a local meetup for security folks, and. Um, what I'd say is, and I I actually got this from, uh, from Chris who, uh, Rob, um, basically before we ever do a conference talk, we'll go and uh, speak at meetups and, uh, doing that just helps really does help with timing with the back and forth, the ebbs and flows of the talk where people might chuckle. know if they're going to chuckle cool be prepared for it and pause um you get feedback from friends friends that are in the audience actually rob's given feedback more than on more than one occasion i know you've given feedback so um oh yeah and uh yeah he he mentioned something good here which is uh ask someone who's more experienced to go up with you and do do the talk and then you can Get that experience alongside those folks. And that I think that goes back to what we were talking about last year is just or last week is just getting involved um with folks. Just getting involved in these meetups and these groups. And that's your gateway in. But I think once you immerse yourself, you find that like everybody is kind of uh feels pretty similar in that way. I don't know. I definitely, and I think if you're doing it right, you're not going to feel like the smartest person in the room. I definitely don't like going, I don't work places anymore where I feel like, you know, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I try to purposely go for places where I, you know, I, Chad Fowler, who was a manager of mine at Living Social said, um, and I'm, I think he like stole this quote from someone else, but it was be the worst member of the band. And, that's not a bad way to look at it, you know, try to be, try, try, to recognize it's, if you're doing it right, your entire career, you might not feel super confident. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: that, no, that's, that, that's really, you know, quite good advice, you know, as far as the people that you work with, if you realize that everybody's got something to teach you, even if it's not necessarily, Hey, technical chops type stuff, it'll be easier in the long run.
0: Yeah, and uh, on another note, we did get a Q&A. Um, we did get another Q&A question uh, from Rob, and that is uh, he's asking about cross-cores, which is cross-origin resource sharing. Um, it's an attack that I can't wrap my head around. Uh, or or no, it's, it's, it's a weird attack uh, seen it in public. So he's basically saying uh it's it's not something that has been documented well, but it's been well it's been public on the bug bounty circuit. Well, some sort of core's vulnerability, which I'd imagine is really a, a, a vulnerability in the same origin policy of the site. Yeah. I mean that's what I would have to imagine that is
1: so uh Can you just kind of repeat what the question is? Oh, yeah.
0: So basically, you know, what are vulnerabilities in cores and how would you go about attacking it? I'm not good at reading and talking at the same (laughs) at the same or maybe one at a time, but especially together. Okay. so yeah, I'll explain cores real quick. So cores is basically, you know, browser has the same origin policy uh that same origin policy specifies that your cookies can only go to um, the domain that they're scoped for. So if you're if it's yahoo.com they only go off to uh yahoo.com not google.com. That's how we don't share our cookies on our browsers with every uh, website so that's uh, that we visit that same origin policy. Um uh, alternatively allows you to set a same origin policy meaning in the response from whatever website you're sending a request to, there's a there's a, a directive. There should be a directive, uh, same origin policy. Sometimes you'll see that same origin policy um, sort of uh, like starred. And it, the problem with, I guess I should classify the the, the different ways. So you see, like a uh, same origin can be um, deny. It can be uh, Uh, which means any site can share resources with your domain. Um, There is... uh, God. uh, uh, You can put in the domain that, like, specific... You can actually put in a list of domains that you want to share resources with. Uh, And then there's
1: the... uh, Are you thinking uh, for credentials? What are you...
0: Not the credentials piece. The... For those who don't know, I picked some units on before this, so I'm feeling a little I'm going to blame it on that.
1: Uh, so, so so before we before we get to a podcast where we're, we have to think on our feet, Ken decides, "Hey, you know what would be great is if I was ready to go to sleep." <laughs> so so, so oh, we're just no. going to incorporate whiskey into the whole podcast, and then it'll be even more interesting.:
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, there's another one that basically says only uh, allow uh, uh, communication with this this site or from uh, my same domain. Okay. That's basically yep. what I'm trying to say, TLD. But I can't remember the, the dang thing for the life of me. So, um.
1: yeah, there's so with Core, isn't there? There's all the access control headers, right? That say allow origin, like where the resources are coming from correctly. correct me if I'm wrong, allow credentials, expose the headers and each of them, it'll actually make a call. It, It tells the browser whether or not it should be able to take the information from this site and send it to another one. Right.
0: Yes, basically. And, uh, I was just, sorry, I was catching up on the, uh, the chat there with, with, uh, Evan had mentioned, he wrote about checking the origin header improperly. Um,
1: yeah, he's getting ahead of us. Maybe Evan should be on. Yeah. It. Should we add him here really quick? Yeah.
0: I mean, we we've got a list of people that we need to bring on. Um, so there there used to be a a thing with uh, cores where you could um, they've changed it in the browser standards for good reason. But when you had that directive where you did like an asterisk for um, same origin policy, meaning I could share um, share credentials with any site. Uh, basically that allowed, uh, you to send, uh, credentials in a request to whatever site. Right. So, uh, now what happens is, um, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna explain that right. Uh, it almost feels like a whiteboard thing, uh, but, uh,
1: Tim had a good description there, right? Same origin prevents AJAX requests from accessing data retrieved from other origins, right? Cores right. allows developers from third parties to allow consumers to bypass this, uh, you know, the single origin po- policy for their services. So if I'm coming from a trusted third party, I can then interact with that site or with that data, right? But if I'm not, then I'm not allowed to be there. And that's where that star is dangerous, right?
0: Not anymore. That's that's like because that for the longest time was the like an issue. Um, you could basically with that star directive, you could you could basically steal credentials. That's what you could do um, because you can send a you can send these course requests off to any site, right? And to grab credentials. Um, now there's because you you have this. I'm trying to think in the, the JavaScript, but it's like credentials true directive. And if you're like putting together an AJAX request, it's credentials true, if I'm not mistaken, or something along those lines, um, or XHR credentials. Uh, anyways, so yeah, it's not that's not the case anymore. But um, when that was, when 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 before browsers fixed it, you could yeah, you could grab credentials because um, of a mistake in setting those uh, same origin policy. Headers to any site. Um, now, what I think Evan's talking about is um, actually I'd have to look it up. I know I, I know what he's talking about, but I don't know what his exact implement or what exact implementations he discusses. But uh, like, obviously, if you are doing a poor job on the server side of validating the origin that a request is coming from, um, right, you're out of luck. That you, you failed with the the same origin policy. Um, Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Maybe we'll talk about it more next episode.
1: Yeah. Maybe we can be a little bit more succinct next, next episode and we'll talk through it. Right. I I mean, surprisingly enough, we've already gone for what, 50 minutes or so, right? 45 minutes, I guess. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. We've gone for a bit. Yeah, and, it, you know, we we did want to talk a little bit about conferences. You know, when we start talking about the um, – yeah, when, when we start talking about imposter syndrome and going to conferences, you know, one of the first steps that you got to take is to get out there and actually learn about information security is to go to these conferences, right? Um, I mean, this weekend is Schmookon in D.C., right? Um, I don't know, Ken, I don't know if you're, you're going to it. I'm sure some of your cohorts there from Nova hackers are right.
0: You know what? I'm going to have a brief tangent for a moment, not a tangent, (laughs) just a little. So on that note, I don't go to Shmoocon anymore. And, uh, okay. Let me first preface what I'm about to say as Heidi and Bruce, uh, done a great job for years i like when i attend schmoo i like all the people that um, i get to meet uh, see again at schmoo and it's generally a good time um and you know like david schwetz had put a lot of effort i don't you know i don't know who's doing the ticket system now but david schwetz had put a lot of effort into it and uh, had a lot of fun with it All that having been said, I don't go to it anymore because frankly, that ticket system is just, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just, you know, there's too many good conferences these days for me to be like, well, this one's local, but also it's super. Ken? And again, I'm one person. I'm sure there's plenty of people that would disagree or are like, yeah, you're, you know, oh, shmukon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that troll. Um, but yeah, I, whatever. I'm Count me out. Sorry. <laughs> it's not going to deal with that ticket system anymore.
1: No, that's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tim says the key is to submit to the CFP to be willing to speak because then you can actually bypass the ticketing system. But again, that that probably requires us to think ahead a little bit, Tim. Right
0: yeah but see that's the thing is like there's always a way to get around it like i mean I, I when i wanted to go every year i was able to get a ticket through a friend or you know there's never a problem at the end of the day getting a ticket but at, getting a ticket after putting in a bunch of work and and i'm just one person but for me it's like eh, that's fine I go to enough conferences whatever
1: <laughs> yeah well I, I mean we all do right you know it's We hit the local conferences, you know, uh, there's always the big ones in Vegas in the summer. Um, I, I, I mean, I was going to pitch hack West. Uh, it'll be in March in Salt Lake city. If anybody feels like coming out, that'll be good too. I help, I help organize that one. And it's, you know, it's newer. It kind of grew out of B side, Salt Lake city. Um, but you know, part of you know my thing about getting involved, right? I, I did mention Hacker Tracker a little last year or last episode. See, I'm doing the same thing. Um, and you know, it's 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 finding a niche. It's finding something that you want, and then being willing to put in the effort to get it working, right? So you know, with with Hacker Tracker, it was more of a, hey, guess what? I need a conference app on my phone so I can actually read about the talks while I'm standing in line at DEF CON. And now, you know, it's the official app for DEF CON, but we're starting to branch out. We've got the ShmooCon uh, update in there for this weekend, and I'm sure we'll just keep adding other conferences and releasing new apps or re- new schedules for it as time moves on because it's super easy for us to do now, right? Um, it was never something that I necessarily planned on taking off or making, you know, that much of an investment into, but it's been, you know, it's paid off and hopefully it's helpful to people. Right.
0: Yeah, and you know, how is it going with Hacker Tracker, by the way?
1: <laughs> what, what do you mean? It's frustrating at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, for like to recap, for those that don't know, uh, Seth does the Hacker Tracker app uh, along with Whitney Champion.
1: Yep, Whitney does and, the Android version um, and then I yeah. do the iOS version. And Whitney started it a couple of years before I got to the iOS version. It was more. Hey, I see that you have that on Android. Can I do the iOS version? And she said, "Sure." Right? So, yeah, it's been a it's been a learning, learning experience. Yep. You know, it was it takes all of those you know iOS recommendations that I'm making for secure development practices, and it puts them into play. Right? Uh, there's a lot of trade offs and a lot of decisions that you have to make in when you're building that sorts of stuff, and you know, it's kind of fun to play in that other space rather than just Looking at code, someone else has written code all the time.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, developing is always a, a good time. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with the chat, it's going a little bit fast. Um, <laughs> Rob is such a troll tonight. I love it.
1: I love it. Canceled. Are we just canceling all information security conferences?
0: Yeah, just wow. cancel them all. Just cancel them all. Um, um, all. So.
1: Oh, and speaking of which, um, yeah, sandbag it. Tim says DerbyCon is getting as bad, and DerbyCon is one that I have never made it to. That's one that I've—it's on my list for sure, Tim. Um, and we are going to have Tim's going to come out and do a um, training for us at Hack West. If anybody's looking for to do, to do PWAPT, uh, P-W-A-P-T. Um, he he does a pretty good, you know, application security training um, that'll be at Hack West during the training days and as far as where short stack is short X stack that's uh whitney's um twitter handle uh she i, th- I believe she is at ShmooCon this weekend so you should see her around there yeah
0: and there's a um, local in april in hawaii i know that's a it's a real tough location for a lot of people to uh to deal with you know it's uh it's it's very uh very rough for for tourism. You know, not a lot of people like to go there. So I'm sure a lot of people will be very very sad that they have to travel to uh to Hawaii for that conference. At least that's what I'm telling my wife.
1: Yeah, such sure a long flight,
0: such a rough. It's going to be rough, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I do feel like. I'm gonna circle back real quick to the course piece. Um, because I don't feel like I was very succinct uh before I think you uh, basic gist is may, imagine you make a request off to a website and um it's like an Ajax request off to a website, to like the victim. Um if the course policy is not set correctly, you can have your the actual person, the vic the victim. Uh, send a request off to the victim website they'll send their uh, credentials off in that request and then you can take back the uh you can basically access the response in the page that has that is that you that you've gotten them to and um send a request off to from send a request off from sorry is what i'm trying to say uh not easy to explain but hopefully that makes sense and um Yeah, happy to talk more about it if people want to go more in depth on that. Uh, Last week, I just saw that email right before we started. Uh, The other piece about that, too, is that, like, that's pretty great with SeaSurf. So if you're not familiar with cross-site request forgery, um, you can, if you don't have SeaSurf protections, Uh, Someone can make a a request off to your site and uh, if their credentials are uh, included in the request, right, which is what happens when you send to example.com, your example.com cookies are going to go off. If someone can get you to to do something to send that request off and the server has not got any sort of protections, meaning your request doesn't need to include some unique token uh, that you you must have grabbed from that uh, site and then sent off your request, so if it doesn't require that at all and you can just send like, Hey, I want to just change my password and, uh, or I, Hey, I want to change my email address or I want to transfer money or I want to do something, delete something or whatever the case is. If there's no C-Surf protections and you're, you know, you're able to send off requests to a site um, with credentials, that's always a a fun one too. Um, don't know how I got off on that.
1: No, I mean, it is related to course, right? you know, if, if, if you don't have that generated token or that request validation that's happening somehow um, you know, CSRF is one of those protections that could save you if it's in place, but if it's not, then, you know, of those cores attacks are going to be more effective. I should say. So
0: yeah, cores is basically, um, it's just of course itself is just a web standard and, depending on how you configure your policies uh, and how you validate the, um, the origin uh how well you validate, validate the origin of a request, those things all come into play and, and how easy someone can basically, and someone sell the, uh, who is it? Uh, Terrence on the chat said, uh, uh, he made a good point. We should probably explain what Ajax is asynchronous JavaScript. So, but when you go to a site and you interact with it and a request goes off, but your page doesn't reload Ajax, right? So it's a, it's a request that goes off without having to reload the site. And that's how you, that's how this chat's working when I'm seeing these new um, messages come up. So the sites not the page isn't reloading on YouTube, but the uh, little chat box is fetching new messages. Although that might actually be like, Oh, established web socket connection. Uh, yeah it's good to get a reminder though that we should be explaining these things and try to
1: yeah make it more inclusive so people will understand i, I mean we we tend to deal with all these terms and these yeah. yeah we we deal with all of these um synonyms and these terms all day long so if, if somebody has a question feel free to hit in the chat of, on hey you guys are talking about you know xss what does that mean or whatever it is right and yeah. you know, the people that we've got on the chat for sure can explain it as well so
0: yeah i'd say tim even gave a really great exp- uh tim yeah basically giving great explanations tim had a really succinct one which was um uh, course is a simple uh, is is a, is a way to control or way to bypass uh same origin pol- policies what i'm trying to say it's a way to bypass same origin policy. Yeah. So I don't think we have uh, We're a couple minutes over. Uh, I don't think we have anything we really have to talk about tonight. Um, I know next Tuesday, we're going to do this again, uh, hopefully with Jerry Gamblin'. In fact, like we're trying to line up um, a list of speakers. So we have a few people that have raised their hand. They'll, they'll come on. Like I said, next week, next Tuesday is Jerry gambling. Um, probably some of the people you, in the chat will, if we haven't already reached out to them, there's, there's a couple people in there. I definitely know we want to reach out to. Um, and so, yeah, we'll try to keep this weekly at Tuesday, on Tuesdays.
1: Yep. Yep. So just watch our the Twitter feed for Absolute AppSec uh, for the next live time right um but most likely it'll be tuesday evening somewhere between you know 5 and 9 p.m. eastern right that's that should be about when we do it um you know i know we did go a little bit later because of some circumstances tonight but most likely it'll be earlier as we move you know into this you know through the winter and into the spring um
0: uh I'm reading the chats. This is uh, very, very amusing stuff. It's good stuff. Appreciate all the people that uh showed up tonight. And um as Seth said, absoluteapsec at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's uh, absolute We'll try to link a few things. The so Evans blog post um that he had mentions and the Dunning Kruger effect and meltdown the proof of concept repo for meltdown.
1: Oh, Tim, Tim just mentioned that cores is also a light beer. You can get it cheap at most dive bars just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> oh, this
0: is nasty stuff. <laughs> nasty
1: stuff. No, but uh, right. yeah, thanks for joining and we'll talk to you guys next week. So have a good one.
0: Thanks again. All right. Bye.